Welcome to Mission Matters, celebrating the people and initiatives that embody the Jesuit tradition of St. Louis University. Celebrating what matters in the 200-year-old mission that is SLU. Brought to you from the Office of Mission and Identity. When we use the word transformation, it sounds like such a beautiful concept, such an inspiring reality. But truth be told, transformation is difficult and it's painful most of the time. To get from a place of struggle to a place of beauty is not an easy journey. When I was an elementary school teacher, the students and I used to raise caterpillars during the season of Lent. We would watch the caterpillar build a chrysalis around itself, remain in that chrysalis for several weeks, and then eventually emerge as a monarch butterfly. As the butterfly began its process of emergence, both the students and I were always eager to see how that transformation took place. But it was a difficult process to emerge from the chrysalis. It was a struggle. And it was always the best instincts of the students, and my own really too, to try to help the butterfly along, to eliminate the struggle, to prevent anything from being difficult on its pathway to beauty. What we came to learn was that the struggle to get out of the chrysalis was necessary for the butterfly to be able to strengthen its wings. If it didn't have to struggle its way out, then its wings would never have the oxygen pumped through them to create the strength and the capacity to fly. We might have had good intentions in trying to free the butterfly from its struggle, but in reality, trying to short-circuit that process of emergence, that process of transformation, for as well-intentioned as it might have been, would have created the opposite effect. We wouldn't have been giving the butterfly new life. We would have been shortening its lifespan and doing damage. The same is true for our own processes of transformation. The struggle might not be easy, but the struggle is what's necessary to allow our spirits to fly. So we are thrilled to be here again with Lisa Yeagers, who is the director and co-founder of the Transformative Justice Initiative coming out of Doisy. So welcome, Lisa. It's great to have you. And go ahead and just tell us, talk to us a little bit about what is the Transformative Justice Initiative, how to come to be about, what's your involvement? Sure. Well, thank you so much for inviting me here, Sister Virginia. I really appreciate it, and this is really exciting for me to be able to talk about the program. So the Transformative Justice Initiative, it began uh, because of Professor Emerita Karen Barney. She was in the Occupational Science and Occupational Therapy Department back in the early, later 2000s and started building a network for this. So I have to give her credit for starting this whole thing. (laughs) And um, when I came in here in 2014, after finishing up my PhD in public health here at SLU, Uh um, I was seeking a new line of research. And so I met Dr. Barney and she brought me to a prison facility here in Missouri. Mm. And she's like, you know what? I, I just really want you to see this. I think it might be interesting to you. Ah. And my background at the time was workplace health and still is workplace health. And um, just looking at different types of workplaces and how can you improve the workplace to promote health in general. So I went to the prison facility with her and quickly learned that there were a lot of things going on <laughs> in terms of opportunities for exploring workplace health. And, you know, I quickly learned 
that officers there, the workplace, is a really tough place to work, uh-huh. um, as we can imagine. Which prison were you at? It was the one in Bonterre. Okay. And so I was also given the opportunity to sit in on a meeting with students and uh, staff students who were participating in the prison program at the time. Now okay. it's called the Prison Education Program. Yep. So through that Inside Out Alliance meeting, I heard the stories of people, um, of the students, uh, the people incarcerated, and them talking about the program and how it had changed their lives. Mm-hmm. And so these two things were going on. You had workers who were experiencing horrible work days, going home and not being able to talk about it with their families, experiencing depression, experiencing you know, really tough mental health issues. Yeah. And then you had um, people incarcerated in a similar facility, you know, in the same facility, Mm -hmm. experiencing their own discomfort, challenges on a day-to-day basis, working and living in this environment. And so these two worlds colliding together really made me interested in wanting to start something to promote more of a system-wide approach to the way that we look at carceral systems, criminal justice settings. Um, the way we look at workplace health and how we bring that together with our goals around transitioning individuals to the community. So that's sort of the foundation of how this started. Wow. And so Karen and I worked together, and she had already started building so many relationships in the community Uh and across the SLU campus. And so um, I was brought into many different meetings and eventually met Father Chris Collins, who really uh, took to this idea and really has been a strong partner throughout um, my time in the program. So basically what the Transformative Justice Initiative is, it's just an umbrella Mm -hmm. so that we can say that this umbrella is here to serve system health and safety and support prevention of incarceration and support successful transitions from carceral or criminal justice settings. Okay. And so the way that we do that is through a whole wide variety of programs. Mm-hmm. And so we've um, set up these programs such as the Occupational Therapy Transition and Integration Services Program. And that's um, basically an occupation-based occupational science model for working with individuals to identify their roles, their habits, their routines, and um, how they want to set their goals for transition from while they're in prison or jail and then back to the community. Okay. And then we also have workplace health projects going on. So I've worked with um, rural and urban jails and um, Missouri Department of Correction Facilities, a transition center. I use a, a participatory approach with the workplace. So we get these teams together and we talk about hmm. what's going on. <laughs> What 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 stresses you out during the day? Yeah. And we can all consider that in our own work days, right? right? And so I feel like I'm this facilitator there, and I'm there just to kind of pull it out of them. You know, I'm here to listen. I'm not. I'm no expert in corrections work, uh-huh. but I can listen, and we can talk through this, and I can gather the information yeah. so that we can identify some real solutions to address these things. And so, um, so those are two major parts of the Transformative Justice Initiative. And then another program that we've had is through word of mouth, I met um, a mitigation specialist through the Missouri Public Defender's Office, and she was seeking help with working with her clients who, for the first time after being incarcerated for 25-plus years, had the ability to petition for their parole. So these are people who had been incarcerated as juveniles, 
and were sentenced to life without the opportunity of parole. And so, of course, we're like, wow, yes, we can't just let this person, if they are paroled out, to just walk out the door, not having had any planning to yeah. move to the community after being there since they're 16, 17 years old, and now they're in their 40s. So um, so that was a, an amazing opportunity, and we've worked with individuals. Um, our, our team, Claire Dahlman and Christine Hayes, they're occupational therapists, and they work with individuals transitioning, so that's been a really great program. And so those are just some examples of what we do. Yeah, so for that last kind of program, how long would that typically go? Well, for instance, one of the individuals, I performed his original evaluation, went to the prison, met with him, and did the full intake and assessment of occupational performance and what are his goals for transitioning. And so that has been since, I believe, 2015. Okay. And so um, the person has been to the parole board and has gone through the process and will get to see the parole board again in the future. And so we're working with individuals for as long as we need to um, in the case that they're able to transition. Wow. Um, And we have had some success stories. We worked with the first individual who has transitioned out to the community, Mm -hmm. and this person is doing fabulous, has had a great plan with family support, with church support, having employment, having transportation. And it's all of these basic needs that are being met and just having that plan and the person's completely motivated and excited. Right, because all that's kind of handled before they're put back into the community full-fledged. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if this is true or not, so you're going to have to tell me if it is. <laughs> but I have the remembrance that there's a really high stat for recidivism. Yeah, in Missouri it's been really high. Um, numbers have been as high as 80% return after three years wow. post-release. Those numbers are ever-changing, and it depends on the types of measures they're looking at. But it's high. And so we know that individuals are at high risk for returning back to jail or prison after returning. All the more reason for this kind of program, because when you set up those kinds of communities to welcome folks back into the community, it seems to me that that would really affect the recidivism. Mm -hmm. Sure, absolutely. And that's what we will be looking at by measuring impact from our program over time. Mm -hmm. Wow, really impressive. So I want to backpedal for a second and ask about that second part of the initiative that you talked about with the staff. What was their first reaction to those conversations about you caring about their work environment? It has been overwhelming, and (laughs) and I think it's something that energizes me about doing this work because previously, before I went back to school multiple times to get my degree, I was working with people who are injured at work. So I was doing hands-on occupational therapy, and I was trying to work with engineers and the health and safety professionals in manufacturing plants and trying to help them see, hey, why don't we redesign this workstation? Let's try to do this Mm -hmm. differently, you know, and so these workers aren't being injured and so on. And um, when I went into uh, a jail facility or a prison facility and I mentioned these, these topics and just asking people, you know, what stresses you out at work? They are so excited that I am interested. And I've (laughs) mentioned this before, but, um, you know, I I hand out surveys. So I'm a researcher. I'm trying to understand what are the needs, and I use surveys and focus groups to do that. And I've never handed out a survey before 
where people are handing it back to me, a 13 to 15 page survey, handwritten, and they're thanking me for asking these questions about their health and That's about their That's a researcher's dream. Yeah, right. <laughs> nobody, nobody gets that. And so, um, so that is very exciting to me. It really shows me that there's truly a need. And there are people who want to participate, and the workers want to tell their story, and they want to try to make this work better. Wow. Yeah. That's fantastic. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's see. So you kind of fell into this, and it seems like it's become a passion for you. Yeah. It's exciting. There's so many facets about it. It's um, not, a, not only going into workplaces, which... That's fascinating to me. Work fascinates me. Mm -hmm. Knowing that you're spending the majority of your day, the majority of your adult life doing some type of work. You know, I want to help people match themselves up with something that's meaningful, that gives them a sense of completion, satisfaction, that I contributed to something that is helping the greater community or higher purpose, higher greater pur good. Yeah, right. And um, so, so that's really fascinating to me, and that really draws me to this work. And then similarly with people um, experiencing incarceration, I recognize that um, I had relatively great upbringing, right? I had um, a family core. I had great role models to guide me. I had support. Mm -hmm. If I had a bad day, I could go and cry on someone's shoulder. They were there for me. And they modeled, you know, simple activities of daily living, such as let's have breakfast together, let's have a meal, grooming, I needed to make my bed in the morning, you know, all these yeah. little things yeah. that some people never had the opportunity to experience. Mm -hmm. And it really plays out in their day-to-day -day life. Mm -hmm. And so that's where my day job is occupational therapy, and I really want to promote occupation in these activities of daily living. And so as a worker or as an individual really trying to make their lives better, um, I feel like I can bring occupation into those things as a, a means to an end, so to speak, in a therapeutic way. Sure. So I have a curiosity about some of the people that you're working with when they're trying to transition back into the community. Do you, and this is just a curiosity on my part, do you experience in them a decent amount of fear? Yes, and ab absolutely. And so I'll preface this first with I'm more of a facilitator, so I'm not seeing individuals on a day-to-day -day basis. Okay. Our team, Christine and Claire, they, they do that phenomenal work, <laughs> okay. and, and a whole wide range of people facilitate that as well. But yes, fear, absolutely. And so many, when the program first started, we were working with women at the medium security institution here in the city. Some people call it the workhouse. And that's the only facility where women are residing in the jail system here in the city. Okay. And so a lot of their, a lot of the women's goals were around self-esteem and building confidence and getting through that fear and really setting boundaries and understanding their emotions and how they're feeling. And so, you know, absolutely fear yeah. is a big thing. And fear of, you know, what am I going to do the minute I step out of these doors? Am I going to have a ride? Am I going to have a place to stay? You know, what is my plan? And so that's what our occupational therapists work with people on is what's their 72-hour plan as soon sure. as they um, walk out these doors. But it's also, will I be accepted? How is my family going to treat me? When I apply for this job, are they going to turn me down because they know that I have a felony record? Mm -hmm. And so fear is enormous. Um, and so we absolutely try to address that with the people that we work with. And if I remember right, you also help with resume preparation and all of that too, right? 
Yes, and that brings in um, some of the great partnerships that we do have. Um, So for instance, the Workforce Center, the Transformative Workforce Academy here at SLU, they also assist with those sorts of things. But absolutely, we have a full curriculum around job placement, job readiness, how to talk about your incarceration, being transparent about it, how to fill out that resume, how to interview for that job. That is so fantastic. Building those skills, yeah. It's such a complex web of what's needed for somebody, making that kind of an enormous transition, that hearing you talk about all the different pieces of it, what an incredible piece of work. (laughs) Yeah, and, you know, we also recognize that we can't do it all through occupational therapy. So we have all these partners, and another one who helped with that project was Career Services in the Mm. very early beginnings of this. They helped build out those modules for um, employment readiness but we also work with community partners. And so if we, you know, we can get the person started with some of the employment skills, but if they have a, a further need for job readiness, they might transition over to Mission St. Louis when they return to the community and go through their um, job leadership training program. And that's been very successful for one of our clients in particular who was able to get a full salary job, high paying, full benefits, and is still succeeding in that job after I believe two or so years. And so that's just one example of the many partnerships. Others are Center for Women in Transition. We had one of the people that we work with, she was able to get work here at SLU. And, oh my um, gosh, yeah, that's great. And get benefits through SLU and have a great job here while also getting resources through Center for Women in Transition. And this full wraparound services mm-hmm. um, has really helped her, and she is just excelling. So those are just some examples. The most wonderful story you want to hear. That's great. So if you could capture the best part of this whole initiative, how would you do that? Gosh, the best part of the initiative, I think, um, is that there are so many people and community providers and people around SLU who are energized and excited to do this work. They truly want to make a difference in criminal justice reform, in helping individuals have the life that they want to have and workers to have the work that they want to do. So I think it's just this collaborative nature, and that's something that Dr. Barney um, instilled with me from the start when I came to SLU, is that we're a campus with so many resources and so many skilled providers of services or of understanding of the multifaceted things that go on around incarceration. And so why not try to tap into all those things and try to bring these entities together so that we can truly make a difference? Yeah. And so that's also what um, something that Father Collins has been great about in bringing us together and trying to form these really solid collaborations in a, a network so that we can pull from SLU law, SLU business, family and community medicine, criminology, criminal justice, social work, the list just goes on and on and right. on. You're right, and there's a wealth of resources that's right here at SLU. What's coming to me right now is that quote from scripture that says, much is expected from those to whom much has been given. Mm. So we, as a SLU community, have so much that's not meant just for ourselves. So the notion that this is part of our mission, mm-hmm. you know, the, the question for for your work and for Paul Lynch's work, you know, with the uh, prison ed program, it's almost a redundant question. Like, how do these programs exemplify the mission? Well, how do they not? 
right? Yeah. Right. I was thinking about that. I'm like, I, I think that we are doing, we are walking with people. We are, you know, collaborating and, and it's a really exciting thing. Yeah. It's the mission walking and talking. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So what else about the program? Anything else? There's so much that I could talk about. One exciting thing that we're doing with the mayor's office here in the city, and it's due to recent changes in Missouri courts, is that we're trying to reduce incarceration as a whole. So Mm -hmm. we know that jails have been overcrowded. We know that prisons are overcrowded. We know that we're putting a lot of resources into jailing and keeping people in prison. But how can we look further back? How can we address this before people enter the system? Mm -hmm. And so um, that's a part of the work that we're doing with the city. It's exciting. We're screening individuals at the point of booking. And so looking at matching them to community resources so that when they attend their bond hearing and are potentially released back to the community to await their next hearing rather than waiting in jail for their next hearing going back to the community we're trying to match them to the resources that they might need and so um, the goal is to reduce that time being held in jail we know that people lose jobs when they're being held in jail and that's we've been doing this since uh, July and I've been looking at the numbers and the biggest issue that we found Um, when we use the self-sufficiency matrix to assess what individuals need in terms of community resources, it's employment. And so um, it's over and above the other things that we might expect, such as housing, mental health needs, substance use needs, treatment. And so um, obviously those are all needs as well, but employment is a big one. And so we really want to address how can we keep people in work, get back to work or prepared for work because we know that when an individual is employed, their risk for recidivism is much lower. Wow. So um, so this is an exciting, we call it the Community Resources and Needs Assessment. Uh-huh. And um, we're working with criminology students, social work students, occupational therapy, the Integrated Health Network, the mayor's office again, police, the jail facility themselves, the courts, and so on. And so again, wow. the only way we can make have an impact and make change and see if this works is this collaborative partnering network to work together so it's been really exciting there is so much good stuff going on (laughs) yeah there really is so um i'm just excited to tell other people about it encourage other people to become involved Mm -hmm. we need to look at the data here what is having an impact um, where do we focus our resources and our energy to really make a difference great so if folks in the SLU community want more information or want to be involved, the website for the Transformative Justice Initiative is uh, right where you clicked on for this podcast. And Lisa, is your email okay for people to just email you if they want more information? Absolutely. Okay. And that is lisa.yeagers with a J mm-hmm. <laughs> at health that slu.edu. Correct. Right? And it is on the website too. Very good. And you're down on South Campus? South Campus in the Doisy College of Health Sciences. Yeah. So feel free to stop by anytime. Well, thank you so much for being here and talking about this. This is very, very exciting stuff. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right. And for everybody else, uh, keep your eyes out for that mission. It's in the hallways. It's in the office next door. It's in the person you meet on your way to get a cup of coffee. So uh, let's keep the mission alive. Amen. <laughs>